A reading from the book of Exodus. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you do have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when they prepared what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you shall know that it is the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and you fill the bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight <clears throat> you, <clears throat> you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then sh you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? But they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 105, on page 
A reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. To me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. Since you are having the same struggle that you saw, I had and now hear that I still have. The word of the Lord. Thank you. 
glass worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the landowner replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I gave to you. And am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. <coughs> the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord our Christ. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's not fair, the constant complaint of siblings and teenagers, whether related to each other or not, a complaint I suspect that each of us has uttered at one time or another. A complaint endemic to human nature. And that is the complaint certain workers hurled at the man they had worked for all day long. In fact, they had worked very hard for this man, labored in his fields in the scorching heat with barely a break all day long and at the end of the day when the man paid them it was not fair the man who owned a vineyard had hired these workers early in the morning they agreed to work for the man for the usual daily wage and then they went into his vineyard where they toiled all day long as they worked they noticed that as the day progressed more and more workers joined them. The first appeared around nine o'clock in the morning, and around noon, more workers showed up. Around three in the afternoon, yet others appeared, and still more arrived late in the afternoon, around five, one hour before the workday ended. At the end of the workday, the landowner told his manager to pay the workers starting with those who had worked only an hour. And to their amazement, all of the workers received the usual daily wage, those who had worked since dawn and those who had worked only an hour and all those others in between. Everyone received the same equal pay, but everyone had not worked the same equal hours, and for the workers who had worked the longest and felt they deserved more, it was not fair. 
and they let the land owner know. So, how did the landowner respond? Well, first, he pointed out that, in fact, he had not treated them unfairly. He had kept the bargain that he and the, they had agreed to at the beginning of the day, and he had paid them the usual daily wage for their day's work, an agreement they thought was fair at the time they made it. Their complaint was not how he had treated them, but how he had treated the others who had worked for him that day. <coughs> Their complaint was that they had not received more than the others had because they had worked longer than the others and they felt entitled to more. Furthermore, the landowner pointed out, he was free to make whatever agreement he wished with the other workers he had hired throughout the day. The source of the worker's grievance was not the landowner's perceived unfair treatment, but rather his generosity. They were envious because he was generous. So what are we to learn from this story Jesus told about the generous landowner? I suspect that God hears the complaint, it's not fair, rather often. Even God may have lost track of how many times he or she has heard it's not fair, although I suspect God doesn't keep track of these things. And I think that it's possible that God has God's own list of what is and what is not fair. I think maybe God's notion of fairness differs from our notion of fairness. So let's look again at this story. At 9 a.m., when the landowner land went back to the corner where the men gathered to be hired for the day, he saw there were still some men standing there, and he hired them. When he went back at noon and at 3, there were still others standing around waiting for work, and he hired them. He went back at 5, and there were still men standing there, and he asked them, Why have you been standing around idle all day? The answer? It wasn't because they didn't want to work and had just been goofing off. They did want to work. They wanted to work so badly that they had waited all day, hoping against hope that someone would show up and hire them. But no one had. They weren't working because they were lazy, but because no one had hired them. This landowner took pity on them. He had compassion for them. And out of his compassion, he gave them work and paid them the usual full day's wage, even if they had worked for only one hour. I think we can assume that the landowner in this story stands in for God. And what Jesus may be telling us is that in God's view, what is fair, or what is rather not fair, is being unable to provide for one's family when one is willing and able to work. 
showing up before dawn along with everyone else, hoping to be chosen to join the other workers on the wagon to the farm and being passed over is not fair. Persisting in standing around, waiting, hoping to be hired and passed over all day long is not fair. Having to go home to your family at the end of the day empty-handed is not fair. I can't help but see some similarity between this story Jesus tells and what is happening today in our own country. Yes, I debated with myself whether I should go there, and I'm taking a deep breath and doing it. The, the United Auto Workers Union has gone on strike against three major automobile manufacturers because, according to the laborers, how they are being treated by the owners and their employers is not fair. The workers tried to explain this to the employers. They tried to explain it to us, the public. No one seemed to pay them any attention, and that, too, was not fair. So now, these workers have decided they will no longer accept being treated unfairly, and they have gone on strike. Noting that the auto manufacturing CEOs, who were already millionaires, have received a 40% pay increase over the past four years, the workers claim that they should also get a 40% raise, along with return of pension benefits and cost of living increases and better working conditions. And note that a return to pension benefits and cost of living raises means that at one time workers had these benefits and those benefits have been taken away. And also at issue is one similar to the one we heard in this story, the tiered wage structure, which pays new workers lower wages. This wage disparity means that the new workers are doing the same work, and in some cases, even they work harder than the workers who have been employed longer, but for less pay. And they proclaim it's not fair. But then, the employers, the owners, have their own view of things. They also see unfairness. It's not fair that the union leadership is manipulating the bargaining process for, they, uh, for their own advantage, the owners claim. It's not fair the union is demanding more money now at a time when companies need to invest profits in the costly transition from gas-powered to electric-powered vehicles, they claim. It's not fair that workers would put additional stress on our fragile, inflation-stressed economy. They and many other people proclaim not fair. And I say all of this to point out that our notions of what is fair and what is unfair come as much from our own personal perspective and condition 
as they, came, as they come from a perspective of justice for all. To point out that God's notion of fairness may be, and often does, differ from ours. Because the God Jesus shows us is not only a God of justice, but above all, a God of compassion. And depending upon your perception, compassion sometimes looks unfair to the laborers who had worked a full day for the usual daily wage, paying those who had not worked a full day the same daily wage was not fair. But to the laborers who had not been able to work because no one had hired them, being paid the full usual daily wage was a merciful act of generosity. Someone, and I forget who, observed that we want justice for others, but we want mercy, that is compassion, for ourselves. And Jesus calls us out of this way of thinking, the way of the world, into what he calls the kingdom of God, a realm of kindness and generosity, of compassion and healing, in which no one is deemed outside of God's love, no one is excluded. Jesus calls us beyond superficial division to a culture of compassion. As Richard Rohr, and I know I quote him quite a lot, as he says, compassion changes everything. Compassion heals. Compassion mends the broken and restores what has been lost. Compassion draws together those who have been estranged or never dreamed they were connected. Compassion pulls us all out of ourselves into the heart of another. Compassion springs out of vulnerability and triumphs in unity. With compassion, we change sides. Well, I doubt that God has been invited to sit at the negotiating table with the United Auto Workers and the auto manufacturers. After all, we are living in the United States, not the kingdom of God. But the story tells of, of the generous, the story that tells us of the generous landowner offers a vision of what could be if everyone at the table would be willing to change sides and show a little compassion. So let's pray for a miracle. Let's pray that an agreement can be reached that is fair to everyone. Amen. Amen.